Hello and welcome to the One Hope Podcast, where faith and life connect. A podcast done by One Hope Church in Gig Harbor, Washington. Enjoy. Well, hey there, One Hope Church podcast listeners. It is pop quiz time. My name is Matt, and I know what you're thinking. Nobody told me uh, there would be a test with this podcast. But don't worry, your answers are completely confidential and will not be factored into, into your final grade. So here we go, just one question, and it's multiple choice. Is the kingdom of God, A, a present-day phenomenon, B, a future promise, or C, both of the above? The answer is C, both of the above. You could even throw the past in there for good measure, dating back to the, the line of Old Testament kings of Israel and Judah. The kingdom of God, you see, is past, present, and future. It can't, can't be confined by space and time or easy definitions. Now, if you attend or watch Sunday services at One Hope, you might know that Pastor Peter is right now doing a sermon series on the kingdom of God through the lens of the parables of Jesus in Matthew 13. In the next few minutes, you're going to hear about it again, but bear with me because you, really, you can't do a podcast series on the Gospel of Luke without at least touching on the kingdom of God. Luke has more than 30 references to the kingdom of God, which is more than any of the other three gospels. So in today's text, Luke chapter 17, Jesus is focused on the, the dynamic present tense aspect of the kingdom of God, when others are really focused on the future. In verses 20 and 21, Jesus is speaking with the Pharisees challenging their way of thinking, as he often does. They ask him when the kingdom would come, and Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Other translations say the kingdom is within you or among you or within reach. But the point is obvious, is his kingdom has come. It is here through his gracious act of becoming flesh and dwelling and later dying among us. No more waiting, no need to observe celestial objects or interpret signs or dreams to find it. But Jesus does talk about the kingdom of God differently with different audiences. Later in the same chapter, he's talking with his disciples, and he does talk about observable signs of the eternal future kingdom. Jesus says it will arrive in an an unmistakable way. In verse 24, he says, The Son of Man in his day will come like lightning flashing across the sky. Jesus spends most of Luke chapter 21, uh, a a few chapters away here, telling them about signs of the end times and the sun, moon, and stars. He says you'll be able to tell this heavenly kingdom is coming, similar 
similar to how you see a fig tree blossom before summer. Now, I don't want to minimize this future kingdom because the Bible certainly doesn't. The book of Revelation, among others, is, is full of rich imagery about it. Revelation 11 says, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. I used to play Handel's Messiah every Christmas season in the Hallelujah Chorus. Um, in the high school orchestra, and it is it has to be one of the most emotional choruses I've ever played. And he shall reign forever and ever. Back in the day when you could perform Handel's Messiah in a public school concert. Well, the trouble with having a futuristic view of the kingdom of God is that we humans tend to twist it to what we we want that future to be. Pharisees, for instance, had a very narrow, linear, political way of thinking. They were counting on an outcome in which a king swoops in to restore Israel's power and overthrow their Roman oppressors. In chapter 17, Jesus is is basically saying, forget the future kingdom for now. You knuckleheads can't see your nose in front of your face. The kingdom of God is in your midst, and it isn't what you think it is. Well, as we take this weeks-long walk through the book of Luke and later Acts, you can see the right-here-right-now kingdom breaking out into the open over and over again. Instead of knights and noblemen, this kingdom gives starring roles to fishermen and tax collectors and the blind and the lame and and the demon-possessed. Today in Luke chapter 17, we are introduced to another oddball member of the king's court, a leper, the only one of 10 lepers who thanked Jesus for healing him. And not just any leper, a Samaritan leper. So he's essentially in that society, he's double cursed. I mean, in any other kingdom, any worldly kingdom, these people would be scorned or laughed at. They'd be like court jesters. And and so would I. It's like Paul said in 1 Corinthians, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. It is an upside down kingdom, as Pastor Peter said in his sermon last Sunday, and our hope is built on nothing less. I'm going to end there. If you want to go deeper into a study of, uh, on this kingdom and tune into Peter's sermon series, I'll just close by posing a question. What aspect of the kingdom is central to your life? It's perfectly natural to pin our hopes to the future eternal kingdom where pain and death are no more and he shall reign forever and ever. But what Jesus told the Pharisees is as true today as it was back then. The kingdom of God is in our midst. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you that your kingdom is uh, much more than a long-term security investment. It is that for sure, but it is, it is also here and it is now. We invite you to reign over our hearts, our homes, our churches, our community. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours 
forever and ever. Amen.